most of us find the healthcare system totally confusing. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. In Getting Better Healthcare, Dr. Steve Feldman and his expert guests walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take charge of our own and our family's healthcare and what needs to be done for a healthier medical system. It's time to find out what to do. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare, the show where we explore how to get better healthcare and have a better healthcare system. I'm Steve Feldman. Sometimes our healthcare system can be very frustrating. We may feel we aren't getting what we need, and we may not know how to change things. Sometimes we may feel that as a single person, a single patient, we are very small compared to the institutions we interact with in the healthcare system those giant hospitals, the insurers, the drug companies. In our show today, we're going to learn how patients can be big and go toe to toe with even the biggest healthcare giants. Our guest today is Sheila Rittenberg, Senior Director of Advocacy and External Affairs with the National Psoriasis Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work closely with Sheila and the Psoriasis Foundation. The foundation is a patient advocacy group devoted to improving the lives of patients with psoriasis. I've seen firsthand how patients banded together in organizations like these can make a difference in improving health care. Sheila, it's an honor to have you on our show. Thank you, Steve. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little about the National Psoriasis Foundation? All right. Well, the National Psoriasis Foundation is an organization based actually in Portland, Oregon. And uh, although we're based on the West Coast, we serve about a million and a half people nationally through online programs and programs in various communities around the country. We have a an advocacy program based, of, of course, in Washington, D.C., where we lobby the federal government for more research. And we work to improve access to treatments and help patients understand and manage their disease better. And most of all, we're working for a cure. Sheila, you said you're serving a million, million and a half people. How do you measure that? In a number of ways, uh, we, of course, can track how many people come to our website. Uh, that's one source of information for us. Our website is quite interactive, so people can, just by visiting the site, actually engage with the foundation and get involved in many of our programs and services through starting with the website. We have programs, as we call it, on the ground. We have education programs and other kinds of events where, of course, we uh, monitor attendance and follow up with people. Uh, we have um, a database of um, really hundreds and thousands of people who have contacted us over the years for help with their disease or to engage in some of our initiatives. We also work with doctors, and we have medical professional members because we believe that really the best way to manage psoriasis and move forward is to have kind of a unified approach between doctors and their patients. Let me, let me just interrupt you to say, I think that every doctor who's taking care of psoriasis patients really ought to be one of your professional members. Well, we certainly agree with that. <laughs> and, and actually, we believe that we can um, help the doctor uh, 
move things forward with the patient in a more efficient and effective way. Uh, you know that, uh, as, as well as anyone, that when a doctor sees a patient in his or her office, there is limited time. And oftentimes, by providing some information about the Psoriasis Foundation, encouraging the patient to contact us and get involved, we can take over a part of that relationship or help complement the doctor's work with that part of the relationship with the patient. Because there's so much confusion and there's so much ambiguity in the beginning, um, and a physician and even a physician's assistant can't possibly answer all those questions in one visit. You're listening to Getting Better Healthcare, and I'm Steve Feldman. Our guest today is Sheila Rittenberg with the National Psoriasis Foundation. Sheila, uh, I think your point that the foundation helps physician is a huge one. I love the way the National Psoriasis Foundation encourages people to listen to their dermatologists. I, I, I love the way the foundation encourages people to be um, to follow treatment plans laid out by the physician. Those those are wonderful tools. Um, wonderful help to me in my practice, and I use the written brochures your organization makes. I imagine that that there are many other patient advocacy groups out there. I don't know if they're all as good as yours, but it seems to me that that people in general, if, if they've got a chronic condition, that joining a patient advocacy group is one of the best things they can do. Well, thank you, Steve, and and I think you're right because, um, you know, the amount of time that physicians have is so limited, and really doctors need to focus on the nuts and bolts of the disease and treatment with their patients. And oftentimes with chronic and especially autoimmune diseases like psoriasis, complex diseases like psoriasis, there's so many other unanswered questions And we, as the National Psoriasis Foundation, try to provide the resources that can help people newly diagnosed in particular, because it's so confusing at that time, but also people as they move through different stages and phases with their disease, uh, we help people uh, find the resources and and find those answers. Uh, For example, we have a program called More Than Skin Deep, which is a national education program around the country and really gets into the heart of psoriasis and some of the associations of psoriasis with other uh, other diseases and conditions. And we also work with physicians and patients to help them improve access to care. And this is kind of a big component of things if doctor wants to prescribe a treatment, but the patient can't get the treatment because of an insurance barrier, that's a problem. Let's, let's talk about some of these individual issues, because the way I envision it, if I have a chronic disease, especially one that the public in general doesn't know anything about, I probably want to make everybody aware of, of what it is that I'm dealing with and, you know, to avoid the... The issues that take place when, when, when people are unaware of the condition or think it's something contagious. Mm-hmm. So as an individual, there's very little I can do. But by being a, a part of, an, of a patient advocacy group, you, know, you and I are most familiar with psoriasis, but it's in general, that public awareness aspect that you provide is really very powerful. Yes, I think so, and um, we spend a lot of uh, time and and resources at our foundation, and I know other uh, disease advocacy organizations do the same, 
on public awareness and also awareness of certain uh, targeted segments of our society. And one of those would be the insurance sector. Another would be Congress and some of the advocacy work we do around public policy to improve conditions for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And there's lots of ways for patients and for doctors to get involved in that process. And as you point out, this isn't unique to psoriasis. Many of the other uh, diseases uh, represented by advocacy organizations have agendas and initiatives in Washington, D.C. and uh, in, in other arenas with public, within public policy. Well, let's talk about the government for a second. You know, I live in Virginia Fox's district. Now, uh-huh. I won't say I agree with Virginia Fox on every, every issue, but I have the sense that she is very responsive to her constituents. And if somebody had psoriasis and thought there ought to be more government funding for psoriasis research, they could probably go talk to her and get her ear. But I don't think they would be – that individual would be nearly as persuasive as mm-hmm. when psoriasis patients together, mm-hmm. uh, coordinated by a national organization, uh, visit Congress together. Yes, and, and that's exactly our philosophy, and, and we've put together um, an entity to help people get organized and kind of sing from the same song page, if you will, and that's called the Psoriasis Action Network. And we have a lot of... Um, interactive materials and information on our website for the Psoriasis Action Network. We hold a lobby day in in Washington, D.C., um, where 100 or 200 people will come and talk with their members of Congress. And we have, you know, ongoing opportunities for people to meet with their representatives and senators. Uh, and we have, um, you know, ongoing initiatives uh, in on Capitol Hill that uh, patients and doctors can tap into. Uh, Very effective. Uh, You know, I'm senior director of advocacy here, and, you know, supposedly I kind of know how these things go, but I have been overwhelmed by the uh, impact uh, we have had as a community by raising our voice together. Uh, You know, years ago when I started this and went to Capitol Hill, Decision makers, uh, senators, representatives could could hardly say the word psoriasis. Certainly had trouble spelling it, and confused it with with other conditions. And now there's a bill pending in Congress. We have more than a hundred co-sponsors. Uh, there was just an appropriations uh, decision made in favor of psoriasis to support uh, a patient registry. The first time in the history of the U.S. Congress that there's been a, a funding line item allocated to psoriasis. So these are just examples, but um, many groups make huge headway by organizing their community to to do this as a united force. Well, I have the sense that it's a two-way street, that as as helpful as the national organization is, whether it's psoriasis or the Heart Association or diabetes or multiple sclerosis, that patients can't abdicate the whole process to their organization, that if there weren't the individual patients coming to Congress and, 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 and knocking on their congressman's door, organized by you, of course, but if the individuals aren't there, then the national organization really can't do nearly as much. 
Yes, well, that that is an absolute uh, basic truth. Um, the citizen, the constituent, is really the most powerful person in this whole process. But only, you know, as as you point out, when that person's interest and and involvement is combined with others and is organized into a cohesive effort, it becomes much more effective. But we would not be able to do any of this without the involvement of individual people, ordinary people. And we we tell people who are a bit uh, intimidated by the idea of talking to a member of Congress that it's really about being able to tell your story. And then we help frame that in terms of what we want uh, you know, what the initiative is in Congress or, or what objectives we have for our disease area uh, legislatively. But as far as individual involvement goes, it's, it's about telling your story and being able to, to give a voice to that. Well, one of the goals that I know you must have is, uh, and, and psoriasis patients in general have, uh, people with any chronic disease for that matter, I want a cure. Mm-hmm. And you get there through research. And so you, you want to promote research and, and, and government funding of research. Um, at the same time, just like it requires individual people to be involved at the level of speaking to, to Congress, government can fund research. You may find individual donors, thank goodness, who you know, want to make a big donation to support genetic research. But individuals can play an important role in research, too. Yes, um, yes. For example, uh, we have a program called uh, the Victor Henschel National Psoriasis Biobank, and uh, we actually connect collect blood samples from people who have psoriasis and who don't have psoriasis. And um, it, this is uh, DNA genetic material that we're collecting in this biobank which we in turn uh, will make available to researchers around the country and even around the world uh, conducting studies. So that's a very important piece. Um, Researchers are always looking for people to participate in clinical trials. Uh, In fact, NIH, the National National Institutes of Health, uh, as part of the government, conducts clinical trials in psoriasis and is always looking for participants. And we, as an advocacy organization, have made an investment in this biobank as another way to provide a resource to researchers conducting studies. So it's a longer-term perspective. Research is not something that turns on a dime, and it takes years sometimes to see results. But in the last you know, five to six years, we've seen some tremendous advancements come to fruition in psoriasis research with the evolution of some new drugs. So it does pay off. So um, you're listening to Getting Better Healthcare. I'm Steve Feldman speaking with Sheila Rittenberg from the National Psoriasis Foundation. So we've covered a number of ways that a national patient advocacy organization can make individual people powerful. The the national organization can, can educate the public about the Uh, nature of the chronic condition, uh, can help provide physicians educational materials to educate patients, can magnify the individual's power with their congressman and legislator to to get government funding for conditions, 
and in the area of research can magnify the power of the individual by coordinating a research effort. I love these genetic studies. I think that's really how we're going to get to cures for, for many of these illnesses that we face. Mm-hmm. There, there is another area um, that you, 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 you were about to bring up earlier, and, and that relates to um, patients' interactions with some of these large uh, organizations in medicine, not just the doctor, but hospital systems, insurers, mm-hmm. um, pharmaceutical companies. I mean, we would like to see pharmaceutical companies make the drug for our disease. If they're not interested or if the hurdles are too great, they may not even try. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to see insurance companies cover the drugs that we need for our medical conditions. And oftentimes it seems like the only thing the insurer wants to do is make money. I know that isn't true, but it certainly seems that way some of the time and that they are going to cut us off from access to treatment uh, because they don't want to pay for it. An individual going up against that, it's pretty scary. But I get the sense there's a lot that a patient organization like yours can do in those areas. Yes, Steve, that, that is true, and, and that's another area where, um, as an advocacy organization, we've made a decision to focus because we know that our constituents, patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, need, um, need assistance in, in that realm. And so we negotiate with insurance companies um, in terms of their policies for coverage of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We also act as a resource to individual patients who need to appeal a denial. We have a center on our website called the Health Insurance Action Center with all kinds of tips and tools to help patients and doctors um, work with their insurance company and turn around a denial. Um, You'd be amazed at the um, progress that can be made by simply writing a letter of appeal. And the first step in that process is for the patient to ask the doctor's help in doing so. And we facilitate that process uh, as well. And oftentimes by having the doctor become involved and write a letter, we have template letters on our website, so it's not a big deal to customize them and just kind of turn them around. Um, and by hearing from the National Psoriasis Foundation that uh, maybe, you know, in, 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 in terms of an insurer's decision, maybe uh, insurance company, you haven't considered certain um, factors in this case, and, or maybe you don't understand exactly how psoriasis behaves, we, we educate. And as a result, uh, we often see decisions turned around. One of the issues that fascinates me is how when people are in different groups, they, they, they sometimes think people in other groups are evil, and the healthcare system is full of groups. So we have the patient group, and then we have the physician group, and we have this health insurance group and the drug company group. And there's this strong tendency that among the doctors, I know, and I imagine among the patient groups, to think that the insurance companies are, are, are sometimes downright evil. But I am personally, I'm sure they go, they go home at night and they go to bed thinking, Wow, I'm helping patients, you know, pay for medical care. I, I'm helping them get access to care. Now, you've been on the front line of this. You've seen insurance companies that have policies about what they'll cover and, and for psoriasis and what they won't cover. Do you have the sense that these policies are developed um, 
especially when maybe when there's problems with them, out of out of greed, or or do these problems tend to be problems of ignorance? And once you talk to the insurers, they actually are very reasonable, and they come mm-hmm. around and, and, and change quickly. What's your mm-hmm. sense of that? Well, I think it's a multifaceted situation, and there's not really one answer to that question. I certainly do see the latter uh, being that once we make an effort to educate about what psoriasis really is, that it is complex, that it is serious, that it has other comorbidities or other diseases associated with it, that it's chronic, that it's not contagious, etc. Once we educate about the disease and once we help them see that there may be some unintended consequences uh, that impact patients from their, the way their policies are designed, they take another look at it. And I mean, we've had at this point probably a dozen, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe more uh, situations where insurers have come back to us after these, uh, after this type of dialogue and they've said, uh, you know, we're revising our policy. So certainly, excuse me, certainly some of this is a result of uh, ignorance, as you call it, not understanding what psoriasis is and how it behaves and affects people. On the other hand, uh, as I think all of us are aware if we listen to the news today, there are certain drivers in the insurance system that are integral to the way that system is set up. And it's part of managed care. It's part of how managed care has evolved in the last 40, 50 years or more. And it's not the impacts of that design is are not unique to psoriasis. Uh, all of us in all disease areas are experiencing them. And hopefully with healthcare reform and some of the other new movements underway, some of those underpinnings of the insurance system will change. But uh, I have to say that a motivator in the insurance system right now is to save and save money and create profits. And that is one of the drivers. We can mitigate that to a large extent by doing the education piece and by putting some pressure on to change policies that uh, are onerous for patients. And we, we have some success doing so. Well, if you know, it's, it's really amazing. If you've changed 12 health insurers' plans, uh, maybe more, um, then you are making a huge difference in the in, in the lives of many many people, mm-hmm. and 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 something that an individual person can't do. I can't stress enough that if you have a chronic disease, you want to join your your the, the appropriate patient advocacy group and, and and strengthen that organization and and yourself become much more powerful that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're working for that. You know, we this is why we walk in the door every day, is to find a cure for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, and to reduce or eliminate the impacts and problems that people experience from the disease today until we find a cure. Uh, So so that's why we exist every day when we walk in here. And um, we're very focused about it at the National Psoriasis Foundation. And um, we've grown up a lot as an organization over the last, uh, you know, six to eight years, and we're pretty, we're pretty proud of it all. Let's talk about another one of the evils of the um, healthcare system, the pharmaceutical companies. Or, mm-hmm. You know, 
these are the folks who actually make the drugs that, makes pa- that make patients' lives better. And so the idea of calling them evil strikes me as a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um, we want them to focus on the diseases that we have. And I have the understanding that the Psoriasis Foundation has actually done a surprising amount to help patients by getting major drug companies focused on this area and to actually make it easier for them to develop products for psoriasis. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, we have been to the FDA, uh, the agency that regulates uh, drug approvals, uh, several times on behalf of uh, certain drugs that were in the development process to help the FDA understand the desperate need on the part of our population, our patient population, for new treatment options. And again, I think this is something that is pretty consistent with other chronic diseases. Uh, chronic diseases typically are difficult to treat, and they are they work differently for some for many people than others. So you need a lot of individual choice in the uh, in the arsenal of treatment options that patients and doctors have to work with. So we're constantly kind of delivering this message, and we have been to the FDA to facilitate or try to facilitate that process. We um, we also uh, partner with pharmaceutical companies around public awareness because uh, oftentimes that's a big component of trying to get a drug out to market successfully. Um, and we're a resource for pharmaceutical companies, as are you know doctors and other people in the system to try to um, help help things along. I think in addition to that, um, making patients aware of clinical trials um, helps pharmaceutical companies get their studies done. Yes, yes. And, and yes, it helps and patients who want to have access to a new treatment, want to be part of that study, mm-hmm. uh, get access. I think that's a wonderful mm-hmm. um uh, aspect that the patient advocacy groups bring to this, mm-hmm. even just how you measure psoriasis and what are definitions of moderate and severe. And like you say, I feel bad for the folks at the FDA sometimes because they want to make sure our drugs are safe. And if they only approved perfectly safe drugs, we would have no drugs to treat anything. Well, right. And, you know, the problem is that to know with that degree of certainty that something is safe, you you need to take 10 or 15 years or perhaps more to collect the data that ensure that safety. Now, you know, drugs aren't approved without a uh, a reasonable certainty that uh, if there is any risk, it's so low um, that we're willing to take that step. And we certainly don't advocate for treatment options to become available to patients that, that do have high risk. We're, we're, not, um, we're not behind that message at all. But, um, you know, we need to keep the field moving forward. And, and if you and I were having this conversation eight years ago, there wouldn't have been any treatment option for psoriasis that was any different than 50 years earlier. So it's only in the last six to eight years that we've had some movement in the research and in the drugs that are making it to the market. And, you know, many people with psoriasis have 
severe disease and are simply not able to lead normal lives. And this is not recognized because psoriasis is considered as a skin condition. So we have to break down those myths and help people understand the real um, impacts uh, and burden that the disease brings. And so part of that work is with the FDA to, to deliver that type of education there as well. You're listening to Getting Better Healthcare. I'm Steve Feldman. Our guest today, Sheila Rittenberg with the National Psoriasis Foundation. You know, it's a very exciting time, Sheila. You say those six to those those last six to eight years have have brought us new drug treatments, and and that's true. That the, the technology for developing new agents is becoming phenomenal, uh, which raises all sorts of new issues regarding cost and insurance coverage and. And, and patient advocates, and, and not to mention educating physicians and educating patients. The role of the patient advocacy group is probably more important than ever before. One of the things that that I wanted to bring up is that that patients want to get well. Physicians want patients to get well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they, there should be no conflicts between patients and physicians whatsoever. Hey, is that your experience? <laughs> well, I think that that is all over the board. I, I think that's true in a lot of cases, and uh, patients and doctors um, find uh, the way to team up together and, and move forward together in figuring out a treatment plan that works, but oftentimes there's a lot of uh, barriers along the way. Um, some dermatologists are more comfortable with newer treatment options than others. Um, there's oftentimes so many intervening uh, factors in the personal lives of patients that make certain treatment options uh, feasible and others not feasible. Uh, for example, I know you, uh, in your practice, you use phototherapy for psoriasis treatment, and that's an age-old, uh, reliable, and safe uh, treatment option, but for many patients who need to move around for their jobs or cannot take time away from work or who are susceptible to sun, uh, to cancers from light exposure uh, and, and other reasons, phototherapy is just not an option. So I think doctors and patients need to work together creatively and be able, they need to approach their their time together almost as a like a creative strategy session. You know, what can we pull together as a team to make this treatment plan work for you? And for you means you, the individual patient, your lifestyle, your needs, and, and your disease. And that's not the same for everybody. You know, I hear in your words you're saying oft, often, oft times. It sounds like what you're saying is that there's often conflicts between patients and their doctors? Yes. Um, well, you know, again, um, I have developed huge respect for dermatologists in this country and the dedication they have to treating these types of complex diseases. But, um, you know, oftentimes they can't take the time or don't have the ability in their practices to deal with people with these types of difficult diseases. And it does create a gap. Yes. There's also a shortage of dermatologists in the United States. There are only 300 graduating dermatologists from uh, the residency program every year. 
Well, and, one of the issues yeah, that I ahead. think that, that we need to recognize at the level of the patient advocacy group is that all those patients who see their doctor, whether it's psoriasis patients seeing a dermatologist or a multiple sclerosis patient seeing a neurologist, whatever condition it is, all those patients who are seeing a doctor and who are happy don't call the don't call their mm-hmm, national mm-hmm. patient advocacy group to complain, and so I just imagine that your complaint line rings, and it rings with calls of patients who are unhappy with their doctors, and it must get frustrating for y'all sometimes because it may seem like nobody has a good doctor, nobody's you know everybody has a complaint, whereas the vast majority of the patients um, are are very happy and just aren't calling in to tell you that. Well, I think that's right. And I, and I, I think, though, even more than that, what's more frustrating to us is that there is a disproportionate number of psoriasis, of people with psoriasis who aren't in treatment at all, who aren't even going to a doctor. And, and we know this because we run surveys of people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, and we've run them for about six years. So we have six years of data that tell us that psoriasis patients are undertreated. Now, why is that? Is it that they've given up or that there isn't an available dermatologist in their area? Certainly in rural areas, that would be an issue. Is it that the dermatologist they go to is not working with the patient with treatments that are up-to-date and most effective? We don't know the answer. It, and again, it's probably a multifaceted answer and not, not you know, one reason. But the, the fact is that a disproportionate number of people with psoriasis are not going to see a specialist, a dermatologist or a rheumatologist. Well, hopefully those, a large majority of them may just have mild disease that doesn't bother them. But certainly that's not the whole story. No question about it. No, and and just as a, a as an addendum to that, um, you know, our data tell us that it's people with moderate to severe disease who aren't in treatment as well. So that's a, that's a big message, I think, for people perhaps listening to this program or or looking into this topic is uh, a ne- a really good first step is is to go to a specialist and start getting the information that that one needs. Well. Let me ask you at this point, we're, we're near the end of our time, can you give our listeners two or three specific tips, uh, suggestions you have for how they can have better health or get better health care? Well, uh, to getting better health, I think there are, that involves lifestyle decisions as much as getting on the right treatment plan for a chronic condition. Um, in psoriasis, we know that uh, diet, we know that stress, we know that mental health, uh, all of these things and more play into how psoriasis behaves and uh, if one gets better or not. So um, we encourage people to, um, you know, educate themselves about how they can make better lifestyle decisions go to a specialist to make sure that uh, treatment is being discussed that's needed. And as far as accessing health care, I would suggest to 
uh, adopt uh, a can-do attitude that the first no from an insurance company is not a no. It's really an opportunity to open a door and turn that denial into a, a yes. And there are resources out there to help people do that, like our organization and, and others like us. Yeah, so let me let me add, number one, if you've got a chronic illness, get educated about it. Mm-hmm. And number two, one of the best ways to do that is to join the relevant patient advocacy group because they've been there before. They've compiled the information. If they're anything like your organization, they've vetted it through through a a, a group of trained experts in the, in the uh, trained expert physicians in that area. Those those are be, getting educated that way, and then being a member of that organization is a is a potent tool to improve your health and your health care. Yes, exactly. Sheila, thank you for for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Steve. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, I look forward to working with you as as we move forward. Wonderful. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sheila made some great points about how the Psoriasis Foundation helps people with psoriasis. I'm a dermatologist, and I use the educational materials from the Psoriasis Foundation in my own practice. If you have a chronic disease... Please look into whether there's a patient advocacy group devoted to your condition. I've posted a list of these organizations on the drscore.com website. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com. Just pull up the Dr. Score homepage and click on the For Patients button. You'll see a link on the left side for patient advocacy groups. You may find that joining and using these organizations' resources will be a huge help to you. Thank you for listening to Getting Better Healthcare. I'm Steve Feldman, and I hope you'll be back for our next show. Thank you for joining us today for Getting Better Healthcare. For more information about Dr. Feldman and about healthcare, please visit drscore.com. That's D R S C O R E.com. And we'll see you back here next week.